0: Hello and thank you for listening to this Fund Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fund Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at fundboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. <laughs> Welcome to this Fund Boards Council uh, INED Boot Camp video panel discussion. As many of you know who followed FBC's work, we're very keen to discuss topics that cut across borders that are relevant to the role of the independent director. Um, and we're delighted today to have assembled a panel of experts for you that who cover the markets from from major markets from the US. Ireland and Luxembourg to discuss some of the key themes um, and governance topics that are uppermost in their minds and some of the key developments in the markets that are particularly relevant to those uh, INEDs working in those jurisdictions and those working cross-border. So I'm delighted to do some brief introductions, you'll be able to read much more about each of our panellists in the accompanying uh, biographies that sit alongside this session. But let me just give you some brief introductions. So we're delighted that Philip Warland has reprised his role as moderator for for this session. Uh, Philip is the uh, chair of FBC's advisory panel. Um, So thank you very much indeed, Philip, for joining us today. And uh, Susan Wyderko is the former president of the Mutual Fund Directors Forum in the US. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with the uh, Mutual Fund Directors Forum, it's an independent, not-for-profit organisation serving independent directors across the United States. Susan, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, with Susan is uh, John Fitzpatrick. John brings a wide range of expertise from across a range of board roles in Ireland uh, and he currently chairs the Insight Investment uh, Fund Board in Dublin, uh, part of the BNY Mellon Group. Uh, John, thank you very much indeed for joining us as well. And finally, John Griffin, who uh, retired recently from J.P. Morgan Asset Management in Europe, where he was the Managing Director and CEO. Uh, He's also been a longstanding member of ALFI, the um, uh, association for the Luxembourg fund industry. Um, So thank you also, John, for joining us today. A very warm welcome to everyone. I'm sure it's gonna be a fascinating discussion and I will hand over to Philip to get us started.
1: Thank you very much, Catherine. what i'm going to do is i'm going to go to each um of the panelists in order and ask them some basic questions and then we've got through that i'll open it up and they might want to comment on what others have said and we'll take it from there and the order i'm going to do it is i'm going to start with susan in, in the united states and then go to john in in dublin and finish up with the other john um, in luxembourg um, susan um, Can I ask you, first of all, to actually describe quite simply um, how the 40 Act funds work in the the States? I think people assume a mutual fund is a mutual fund is a mutual fund. But in fact, the structures can be quite different. different, And the 40 Act structure, I think, is is not widely understood um, in Europe. So could you take us through that?
2: Sure. I think it's useful to start with the fact, uh, the legal, pleasant legal fiction, that the fund in the U.S. is a separate legal entity. It is completely separate from the advisor. It generally has no employees, but it does have a board. So the 40 Act Fund Board, they represent and they serve the fund shareholders. The boards of U.S. mutual funds are independent of management. Now, by law, 40% of the directors have to be independent, but in practice, the vast majority of U.S. fund boards really have a supermajority of independent directors and, in fact, also an independent chair. So when a fund is formed, the sponsor initially selects the independent directors, but thereafter, the independent directors themselves identify, nominate, and elect the new independent directors. Now, by law, two-thirds of the independent directors have to be elected by the shareholders, so periodically, the fund itself has to go out for a shareholder vote to make that uh, percentage go back up to 100, so they have a vote on the slate of directors. Now, duties, the board duties in general are to oversee the management and operations of the fund the fund, not the advisor, the fund on behalf of shareholders. So they oversee conflicts of interest between the fund and advisor, they oversee the performance of the funds, and they oversee the compliance program. I should also note that in general, you do not have one separate board per mutual fund. In a large complex, you will have a large number of funds overseen by one board. Sometimes there's just one board, sometimes there's more than one board. So then, on a yearly basis, we have in the U.S. something called the 15C process, where the fund boards have to meet, review, and vote to approve the contract between the fund and the advisor. Now, the standards uh, for approving that, uh, that contract are going to sound familiar. The fund board has to look at the nature and quality of the services that are provided to the fund shareholders the profitability of the fund to the advisor, economies of scale as in operating the fund as it grows larger, and the fee structure of comparable funds, the independence and conscientiousness of the trustees, and the fallout benefits, which means indirect profits to the advisor that are attributable in some way to the existence of the fund. Now when the board is reviewing the fees, they are not required to negotiate the lowest fees possible. Rather, they're required to balance these considerations such as the nature, quality and extent of the services that are provided by the advisor. The board also oversees the performance of the fund so that the, to ensure that the advisor is managing the fund in a manner consistent with its stated investment objectives. Now on overseeing compliance, The fund board has a dedicated chief compliance officer who reports directly to the board. The CCO is hired, fired, and evaluated by the board. The board also determines the CCO's compensation. That chief compliance officer reports to the board on the compliance programs of the advisor. So in a nutshell, the fund board then is not the board of the advisor. It does not hire or fire any advisor employees. It doesn't set the strategy or the strategic objectives of the advisor and does not determine what investment strategies or product lineup that the advisor will will enter into. Any questions?
1: That's brilliant. Thank you very much. I think uh, you said when I last spoke to you that when the FCA were thinking about doing their assessment of of value, what's turned out to be the assessment of value, and they came on a trip to the States and uh, they spoke to you, what did you advise them?
2: So we put them in a room with a large number of fund independent directors, including independent uh, chairs, as well as as members of management, and it was a freewheeling conversation about 40 Act funds and the governance structure. And I think the sentiment in the room was our system works for the U.S., it works well for shareholders, but it is not the sort of system that one would design if you had a blank envelope in, beside you at a at a card table. And so and and we also advise them that one of the big reasons that some of the things in the us. work and have worked well is that they are a defense against a litigation atmosphere where, the fund, the advisor, and the and the trustees are all subject to being sued uh, if they do something that is perceived to be out of line with what the legal requirements are. That litig- litigious atmosphere dictates a lot of the things that the SEC has required, and that's probably not the best environment. I think we all agreed.
1: That's great. Can I just ask you one more question? What are the major developments in fund governance? What are fund boards thinking about now, uh, which may be new?
2: So there's a, there's always new regulations that the fund board is thinking about, uh, new requirements for things like valuation liquidity. These are always things that the fund board has to tackle. They are primarily obligations of the advisor that the board has to pass on. But in terms of what's new in fund governance, Uh, Right now, fund boards in the U.S. are struggling with things like uh, diversity. Uh, They want to make sure that the fund board represents their shareholders. So they're making concerted effort to reach out and tap uh, women and people of color to be fund independent directors. There's also the huge uh, pandemic uh, fallout uh, on fund boards, which is that virtual meetings have been here for a year and are likely here to stay. And that has required a lot of adjustment by fund boards. You can't sit and have eye contact with the fella or woman on your left or right or across the table. You can't give a significant look to someone that says, are you out of your ever-loving gourd? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's just not possible with Zoom. In fact, the interpersonal small signals are largely lost in a Zoom meeting because you're either focusing on the speaker or you've got a bunch of tiles on on your your computer screen. So boards are adjusting to that. And then uh, again, ripped out of the headlines, uh, boards are to oversee investment risks. And with the the GameStop uh, situation here in the US, we had extremely volatile stock that had been in some fund portfolios. Boards are now focusing on what is in their portfolios and asking portfolio managers if it is possible that they might be uh, subject, their fund might be subject to some sort of risk down the line if, if something like that were to happen again. So those are a couple of the, the issues that are going on right now.
1: Thank you so much. That's a really good start. Um, I'm going to t- turn to John in in Dublin and really ask the same, same question as to what have been the major developments in, in fund governance in, in, in Ireland in, in recent years and months? Well, I think the, the,
3: the, the main development, really, which goes back, and you probably have to go back a few years on this, is that uh, kind of around t- 2012, we had the first kind of code of corporate governance, which the Irish funds industry uh, was asked by the central bank, who was the regulator, to, to draft and implement which kind of was a bit strange at the time because uh, that that body represented all of the, the parties that boards were supposed to be supervising, uh, and yet you were asking the poachers to, to draft the rules for the gamekeepers. And the directors of the fund boards at the time were really being held accountable by the central bank. But that's moved on significantly since then, and then we have what is affectionately known as CP86, in fact, preparing for this, I had to go back myself because to say what was the exact title of of the document that the central bank produced, which was the fund management company's effectiveness maintenance, uh, man, sorry, effectiveness managerial functions operational issues and procedural matters. So it was a very long-winded name, hence CP86, which it was a consultation paper originally, but, but actually has stuck to the industry and everybody Once CP86 is mentioned, everybody knows. The reality is that, that document is effectively now not only kind of procedural, but it is actually a code of conduct as well, uh, and board's uh, adhere to it very strongly. Uh, in addition to that, that particular document, uh, which sometimes gets forgotten, is um, enshrined kind of within the rules of both covering usage and indeed the AFMD directive, um, and they come with enforcement. So there's a great focus upon upon that. Uh, that, that document came out in 2016, uh, was implemented. Central Bank did a review. The uh, questionnaire uh, wasn't kind of too pleased with some of the findings that some boards hadn't really fully implemented it uh, and um, issued a letter last uh, October, effectively the dear CEO letter, which is CP86 Mark II, um, in giving a time frame for implementation. Some of the management companies that they looked at at that particular time, they... they gave uh, remediation programs against uh, over a very tight time frame to have implemented. But by and large, uh, we're looking at kind of change, significant change for many fund boards uh, rather than the management company boards, because quite a number of the fund boards were what they call self-managed investment companies, effectively known as SMICs. And uh, within that CP86, there is around reference and, and coverage on um time commitments of directors, but but equally number of full-time employees. So realistically, that was, wasn't really possible in terms of the fund boards to, to have employees. Um, so you're really looking at most fund boards that were in the SMIC category are in the process of either or appointing a third-party management company to take over the managerial uh, activities um, or else they would be setting up proprietary management companies. Interesting enough, probably in the last 24 months, mainly on foot of the Brexit situation, that uh, many firms, uh, UK firms, were setting up management companies in Ireland. Um, so, uh, again, some of the findings from that CP86 Mark II letter Central Bank were kind of saying that there was a significant difference between what what you might classify as the old management companies and their approach as against the new management companies who had to go through a rigorous procedure in terms of application, getting authorization, uh, having a proper infrastructure in place, uh, following the managerial functions uh, within within CP86, and more importantly, having sufficient employees um, to cover all of the activities.
0: We hoped you enjoyed that uh, 15-minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.